Mraz nauseated me, and I won the trash and then. Mraz. I think I'm a lost cause. Whoa, 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 whoa there, Mraz. Whoa. I look at myself as an aquatic animal, a mammoth, if you will, a sea lion. A mammoth. <laughs> what am I thinking of? What's the animal? Mraz. Mraz is a cracker. Waffle cones on me? Mraz on CBS Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. It is the Sean Moraz Show on CBS Sports Radio, a.k.a. Moraz. You can follow me on Twitter, at Moraz, CBS, M-R-A-Z. CBS, the number to call is 855-212-4227. So just really quickly, if you have missed the beginning of the show, the first couple hours of the show, we open with the Iron Bowl and Alabama's elimination from the college football playoff. And how I believe, truthfully, that while we will likely get a Oklahoma, Utah, Baylor, or Georgia, should Georgia find a way to beat LSU in what is a virtual home game in the SEC title game, I do think inevitably, whether it's Ohio State or LSU is the one, Alabama would have presented the better game. I do think that no matter who this team is, it's going to end up falling. But, hey, look, they didn't do enough to get in, and the luck didn't fall their way. And now we're getting a little change of pace, a little different scenario in the college football playoff. And as I mentioned, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it, where you might have gotten an awesome Alabama-Ohio State game, Alabama-LSU game part two, uh, if you get Utah, Ohio State, and Utah's down big and everybody wants to talk about their defense was all year, you might be singing a different tune come time for the college football playoff. But what's done is done. Two losses, and you are out for Alabama. We discussed at the end of last hour Jim Harbaugh and how he just can't get it right at Michigan. He's just good enough that he won't lose his job, but he is, and his recruiting, they are not on the same planet speed-wise of what Ohio State has done. And we've done plenty of NFL specifically three days after Thanksgiving. How is Jason Garrett still employed with four games left to play and no contract extension? How? What is Jason, What is Jerry Jones doing? We've taken your calls all on that at 855-212-4227. And CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227. is brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Mike is in South Carolina. Mike, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, man. Hey, Mike. What's going on? Not much. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. What do you think about uh, Chad Morris? He's from uh, Texas, right? Right. Okay. He didn't do nothing. He did a lot at Clemson but as an offensive coordinator, but he left out too early and went to SMU and created what SMU has now, right? Okay. So what do you think? Dallas Cowboys go um, talk to Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator at Clemson, and ask him to do a head coaching job because I think uh, Jerry will leave him alone and bring Chad Morris as the offensive coordinator. Okay, so well, I mean, obviously, I don't know how I don't know how much Jerry's going to love Chad Morris after Chad Morris ran his Arkansas program further into the ground. As much yeah, as Jerry yeah. Jones. Well, Arkansas was already in the ground. I understand that, but if they were six feet under, now they're nine feet under, thanks to Chad Morris. Look, yeah. I I have a hard time thinking that Jerry Jones, who lives for comfort, has two coordinators that teams would be dying to talk to on his staff and is going to go the coordinator route in college as his head coach. I mean, it's definitely, I give you credit, Mike. It's points for creativity and doing something different. But, yeah, I, but, I mean, why is he throwing baby powder at everybody that he has as a head coach? 
What do you mean by baby pet? What does that mean? He pampers them. He don't right. let the head coaches like do their job. Right, exactly. And, and a coordinator, I guess, in college would be another guy that he pampers as well. So that checks that box. But if he's going that route, if he's going to go that route, just go with Chris Richard. Or go with a Robert Sleek. Go with somebody who's involved in the NFL already. Going with a guy who is a defensive coordinator in college right now. Whether it's for Clemson or not, and then bringing in an offensive coordinator who was the head coach at Arkansas and going the total college route, total college staff, I don't think that's necessarily right what Jerry Jones needs to be doing right now. But I'll give you points for this. It was something different. You didn't just throw out Marvin Lewis at me. You brought something different to the table. All right, speaking of the NFL, we do have Charles Davis coming up at the end of the hour who is on the call of what I think is the game of the day, the 49ers... And the Ravens, it's a 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific start. The game is in Baltimore. Weather probably a little sloppy. I haven't checked Baltimore's weather report for the game, but I know the Northeast is supposed to get slogged with some rain, snow mix. So I would assume Baltimore is right in that fixture of having bad weather for this game, which makes it fascinating. And by the way, and I don't know if it's rain or snow. I should have looked this up. Is there anything better sports-wise then from obviously the comfort of your home not being at a stadium than a good snowy NFL game, is there anything more pleasing to the eyes than flannel pants, warm socks, cold beer, little hot mozzarella stick dripping off your chin a little bit, nice long sleeve shirt, your football jersey over it, on the couch, the smell of maybe a little pasta sauce sitting upstairs for the late window, and there you are, and you're watching football in the snow on a Sunday. That, to me, is the American dream. There's nothing better than that. And if that's what you get with Ravens 49ers, there's definitely nothing better than that. Now, the one problem I have with Ravens 49ers, and as I said, we're going to talk to Charles Davis. We'll be with Kevin Burkhardt on the call. The fact that Thanksgiving weekend, because of travel plans, is the one weekend in the NFL year once you get past September that is frozen. There is no flexing. There's no changing times. There's no, whatever that Sunday night game will be your Sunday night game. And the Sunday night game is Texans-Pats. But your big four, 25 Eastern game, is the Chiefs and Raiders. Now, that's the game most of the country will get. How awesome would it be if most of the country got 49ers-Ravens in LA? Would it be, we'd be into it. That game following last week's Cowboy-Patriot game would be epic. Instead... It gets kind of buried with all the regional coverage. So unless you have Sunday ticket, it's going to be tough for you to watch this game unless you're in the markets that are getting 49ers Ravens, which should still be a bunch of them within the country. So that's the one bad part about this game. Now, the good part is the game is freaking awesome. 10 and 149ers going on the road to take on the 9 and 2 Ravens. And a week ago, you saw what the 49ers did to Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, two completely different style quarterbacks. But what the 49ers were able to do with their front seven and their front four, they absolutely bottled up Aaron Rodgers and didn't let that offense move at all. The 49ers, and we've seen a few really great defenses this year in the NFL. The Patriots have one that Lamar Jackson exposed. The 49ers have the best defense in the NFL. The question I have, and then I'll ask Charles Davis, is are the 49ers defensively, though, built to beat Lamar Jackson? You know, as much as Lamar Jackson takes off and runs, he's not a guy who's going to run through the tackles like Mark Ingram might. And that's where the 49ers can swallow you up and hit you with your pass rush. But is that 49er pass rush, are they going to be able to contain Lamar Jackson on the outside, or is he just going to escape them 
and take off and run. It's going to be a fascinating matchup. A game that I think a lot of people would be pleased with if it was the Super Bowl, the 49ers and the Ravens. But is the 49er defense to beat, built to beat Lamar Jackson? I think they can be. I think when your defense is that good, you're built to beat anybody. And by this point, when you're 10-1 and one and the Ravens are 9-2, and two, if you don't have enough tape on what Lamar Jackson's doing to go with your talent, shame on you. And look, good for Lamar Jackson. He's played this great. But it shouldn't be the case of, Wow, this guy this guy is something like we've never seen. There should be enough tape on Lamar Jackson that if you're good enough on defense, you should be able to find a way to try to contain him somewhat. I'm not asking you to shut down the Ravens' offense today. But Lamar Jackson, if he was ever going to look real human this year, it would be in this spot on Sunday afternoon. And I don't want to hear about the early start time for the 49ers traveling from West Coast to East Coast. Go play the game. Wake up and play the game. I'm fascinated by this game. I'm fascinated by the matchup. And I'm curious on your thoughts at 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. When you watch the NFL, and we've gotten to this point in Week 13, as the 49ers and Ravens get set to play on Sunday afternoon, are those the two best teams in football? Are they the two best teams in football? I think they are. And another side of this, if you're the Ravens, and you can win this game at home versus the San Francisco 49ers, Think about the New England Patriots on Sunday night. McKeon posed this question to me, and we got McKeon and Graceffo on the other side before the show. Got in my ears. McKeon's clearly looking for whatever app he has to place his bets. Hey, you think Texans beat the Cowboys, beat the beat the Patriots on Sunday night? If the Texans can, and by the way, we might discuss this with our picks. I haven't decided if I'm going this way yet. I probably won't touch the game. If the Texans can beat the Patriots, and I can't trust the Texans as far as I can throw them. Every time you want to believe in them in a big spot. Well, suddenly you'd get the Pats in a second loss. And this might be the game, if you're hoping for the Patriots to get a second loss, this might be the game they have to lose. And if the Ravens beat the 49ers now and stay at two losses, and they have that tie break over New England after beating them, well, now we're starting to talk about New England possibly having to go to Baltimore in an AFC title game. And that is far different for them than having to go to Foxborough. We see what happens in these big spots when New England has to go on the road, like what happened with Denver versus Peyton Manning a couple years ago. It doesn't always end well for New England. So if you're somebody celebrating the elimination of Alabama and you don't want to see any part of the Patriots in another Super Bowl, you root for the Ravens to beat the 49ers and you root for the Texans on Sunday night. That's your viewer's guide to try to get this AFC championship game out of New England. But... I have a hard time thinking that that's where the chips lay, that you're going to bet on Bill O'Brien and the Texans to figure it out and that the Ravens don't slip up here at some point, especially the 49ers. And that's the other part about Lamar Jackson and his success. Lamar Jackson, a quarterback 9-2, and two, has won all these games in a row, and I'm a believer in him. But are the, are the Ravens going to win out? Are the Ravens 14-2 and two good? I don't know about that. They feel like more of a 12-4 and four to me than a 14-2. and two. So would this be the spot? But at the same time, are the 49ers 10-1 and one good? As great as their defense is? Probably not. So many fascinating storylines highlighted by 49ers and Ravens. And then later on, New England and Houston. And you know, I know you guys are listening, Houston. 6.50 and 6.10 a.m. We also discussed this before the show, too. Is it just me, or does everybody just want to crown Deshaun Watson already? And every time we see Deshaun Watson, who was such a big-time quarterback in the NFL, play one of these big-time teams in the NFL, he absolutely comes up short. Absolutely comes up short. And I think Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback. 
But everybody wants to make Deshaun Watson out like he's ready to become this top five quarterback and great quarterback yet. And if I'm making an all overrated NFL team right now, I think Lamar, I think uh, Deshaun Watson's my quarterback. This is a big spot for Watson on Sunday night against the Pats, an enormous spot. And every big spot I've seen him in so far in 2019, I've seen him come up short. I've seen the head coach come up short. And the Texans never make you feel like you should believe in them. But yet, afterwards, everybody loves Deshaun Watson, even when he has a bad game. Deshaun Watson could dazzle in spots, but he is wildly inconsistent versus big-time teams. Let's hope he could quiet that and beat the Pats if you're looking for the Pats not to be hosting an AFC title game with John Bon Jovi sitting next to Robert Kraft on a nice, nice Sunday afternoon. Hopefully Robert is able to get back from uh, a trip from Jupiter, Florida in time for kickoff for that game. That would be fascinating as well, huh? I'm just kidding. I'm just We could laugh, right? We could laugh. All right, we come back. If there was ever a thought as to why the Cleveland Browns are failures, failures, look no further than Freddie Kitchen's stupid wardrobe this weekend. We'll discuss Charles Davis still to come. It's the Sean Morash Show on CBS Sports Radio. It's Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. It's Sean Morash time on CBS Sports Radio. It's the Sean Morash Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227, is brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Steve is in Baltimore. Steve, what's going on? Hey, good morning. Thanks, Morash, for taking my call. Absolutely, man. What's going on? Hey, listen, um, let me let me start off by saying about the weather. Um, they're saying that it may be a 50-50 chance that the weather may clear up by at least halftime. Okay. All right. That's good so to know. That's a good thing. Number two, um, listen, I understand that the national media don't cover the, the other market teams because they don't have the what you call the splash or what have you and all. But let me tell you, no one has figured out Lamar. We call him the Riddler. Okay, that's number one. We call him the Riddler. All right, so so national media, y'all catch a hold of that. Number two, their rally and cry, not bad for a running quarterback. That's number three. Number three, hey, listen, y'all crown the Cleveland Cav- uh, Cleveland Browns and all for them to be the paper champions. Hey, listen, they're the paper champions, okay? Yes, we they give are. Them that. Okay, keep doubting us, people. Keep doubting us to see what happens. Hey, Morass, I'll talk to you tonight. All right, Steve, I like that. Look, there's nothing wrong with dumping your chest, and he's absolutely right. Look, I was wrong on a lot of NFL predictions. A lot. I was not wrong on the fact that the Cleveland Browns would be an absolute dud this year. And I think the one division winner I've gotten right was I said the Baltimore Ravens before the year. That being said, I did not believe Lamar Jackson would look like an MVP candidate. I thought it was ridiculous, this notion that he couldn't improve his throwing and everybody wanted to doubt him. Lamar Jackson was an If you watch any Louisville, Lamar Jackson could throw the ball in college. As much as he's a running back playing the position in, in many ways, Lamar Jackson could throw the ball, and he got better here in year two. And I that's why I find this 49er matchup fascinating because this is this defense. The defense in the NFL. And if Lamar Jackson goes off and the 49ers look lost in this game, 
This, there may be no stopping this Raven team. They might be a runaway train all the way to the Super Bowl. I am very interested to see how Robert Salinas' defense plays them. All right, now, to the man of the hour, Freddie Kitchens. And it's interesting, you tweet at me, at CBS. Woody tweets in, if you want to hear a complete bleep idiot waste airtime talking about Freddie's shirt, Turk, turn this trash on now, LOL. I'm sure he's a Jets fan, too. Number one, I'm not a Jets fan. I don't even know what that would have to do with it because there is not a soul in New York or the Northeast who consider the Browns a rival at all. I mean, frankly, other than the Bengals or Steelers, and even then, it's a reach. Who the heck would consider the Browns a rival? They've been absolute garbage our entire lives for the most part. So already we have the excuse-making in Cleveland, and it's been a year of excuse-making in Cleveland. Every time something negative happens around the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns fans who have just been beaten and tortured by the ineptitude of their franchise make excuses. Why? Because this 2019 Browns team was supposed to be the pride and joy and the turning point for an organization that's been so putrid and so pitiful for years. And despite the fact that the Browns have been a complete and utter mockery and disaster, the fact that they're not a mockery and disaster that's 0-16, Browns fans feel the need to beat the chest and defend them at every turn. Meanwhile, the team has been an absolute joke, and the organization has been a worse joke throughout the year. And that was highlighted by this weekend when Freddie Kitchens was seen wearing a Pittsburgh started at shirt. Now, I can imagine Woody and other Freddie Kitchen defenders, their excuse, if I spin the wheel of excuses, will be, it's just a shirt. It's just a shirt. He's having fun and he's laughing. Maybe it is just a shirt. And maybe Cleveland Browns fans are buying it because they all acted like stupid idiots with that Mason Rudolph pinata they had in the Muni lot. I've been to Cleveland. And that Muni lot all having a blast, right? Pittsburgh started. Pittsburgh started it might work for the 19-year-old Brown fan who checks your tickets at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Pittsburgh started it shirt might work for Ken Carmen doing a show from a melt shop in Cleveland, having a grand old time. And I love Ken. A Pittsburgh started it shirt might work for Greg, who checks people in at the Hampton Inn downtown. The Pittsburgh started it shirt could even work for your local grocer at the supermarket up the block. What a Pittsburgh started it shirt doesn't work for is the head coach of an underachieving, blundering franchise that completely misses the enormous magnitude of what happened between his defensive end and the Pittsburgh now backup quarterback, dare I say third string quarterback, a couple weeks ago. The Cleveland ago. Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns. Dynamite drop in ship. Anyway. Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph get into it on that Thursday night. All right? And we know that it was a late hit by Mason by Miles Garrett. And everybody wants to talk about Pittsburgh started. Maybe Pittsburgh started it because they should have started, they should have knelt on it. But the bottom line is this. Miles Garrett didn't need to finish the tackle like he was, if you will, uh, whatever. Lawrence Taylor breaking Joe Theismann's leg because that's what he looked like in tackling Mason Rudolph in that spot. And Mason Rudolph acted like a punk. He was frustrated. As he's being held down on the ground, he's trying to grab the helmet of Mason of Miles Garrett. And I think he was only grabbing the helmet because that was the only thing he could reach in the position he was in. We've all seen the highlight of this a million times now. Do we need to break down frame by frame what happened in this fight? The bottom line is this, though. No matter what happened angry-wise... 
no matter what the frustration was, Miles Garrett crossed an absolute line on a playing field you don't do. You don't take a helmet that weighs a pound more than your standard brick weighs and swing it at somebody's bare head. Did he make full-on contact and smash Mason Roof's skull to bits and pieces? No, and thank goodness he didn't. But because he did not, we can laugh about the situation. Not understanding that what he did was so ridiculously heinous that the, honestly, if Mason Rudolph and company wanted to press charges, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. And don't tell me that's ridiculous. Do a little research on incidents that happened in the NHL, granted in Canada, where guys actually are found guilty of crimes. Now, again, I'm not telling you there should have been a, a charges pressed. I'm saying the notion of that isn't so ridiculous, and that just gets to my bigger point. This was a big deal, and this was a big blemish for the NFL. And Miles Garrett was a big star that now will forever be remembered by this. And as if that wasn't bad enough, days later, I'm sorry, a week later, after Miles Garrett has had the opportunity in a locker room following the game to talk to all of his teammates about what happened, when Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and Baker Mayfield, who for the first time in his life sounded mature, and talking about how a win felt more like a loss and that Miles Garrett can't do that. All of those guys are supposed to be team leaders, and they all spoke up. And Miles Garrett had a chance to address every single one of his teammates before he was suspended the next day and was banned from the facility because of the suspension. And at any point, did Miles Garrett let those players know, hey, guys, I reacted this way because Mason Rudolph dropped a racial slur? No, he did not. But yet a week later, when it came time to save his own ass, it was very easy for Miles Garrett to play the race card and say, hey, there was a racial slur dropped on me, you know, in, in his long line of whatever he was going to say in his appeal. And then somehow he said he didn't know this was going to come out in appeal. And then when it's brought to the attention of Brown's players like Sheldon Richardson, who plays on the same D-line as Miles Garrett, he was shocked to hear that that's what was said in the appeal. He hadn't heard anything of it. So, Miles Garrett, after this situation, where he acts like a complete, mindless jerk, makes very heavy allegations that, let's face it, whether you believe him or don't believe him, there will always be a weird eye because that's the way society has, looking at Mason Rudolph kind of the weird way, like, hmm, did he say it? And we'll never know whether he said it or not, but I tend to lean towards he probably didn't. Because when African-American teammates and head coaches have Mason Rudolph's back and that many people are around, somehow nobody heard it. But that was a very serious allegation that Miles Garrett tossed at Mason Rudolph. That's not a joke. Swinging a helmet is not a joke. Your best player on your team, your defensive star, not a joke. But yet, you know what's a joke? The T-shirt that Freddie Kitchens wore that said Pittsburgh started it. That suddenly is a joke. No, Freddie, you're the joke, and you don't get the enormity of the situation, and that's why your team sucks, and that's why your team's a clown show, because you're a clown show. You have no pulse as a head coach of a football team. You're the wrong man for the job, and the Cleveland Browns will continue to be the definition of below average despite all the talent they have because they have another horrible head coach. It's Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back inside the Pork Store. It is the Sean Morash Show on CBS Sports Radio. We take a timeout from all the college football talk on, obviously, Rivalry Weekend. 
and look ahead to what should be a fantastic NFL Sunday as we are fully engulfed in what is Thanksgiving weekend across the NFL. And joining us now, the great Charles Davis from the NFL on Fox. You can follow him on Twitter at CFD22. Charles will be with Kevin Burkhart as the 49ers and Ravens, a potential Super Bowl preview is set to take place. And we welcome Charles inside now. Charles, good morning. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Happy holiday season to you. Hope Thanksgiving was terrific for you and yours. And wow. What a great weekend of football we've got going. Ah, uh, yes. So well, I'm having a better weekend than Jason Garrett is, that's for sure. But we'll get to that in just a few moments. I did want to start with the game you have, 49ers, Ravens, Fox, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific game. When you look at these two teams as we approach Sunday afternoon's action, Charles, do you feel like they are the two best teams in the NFL currently? Look, at this moment, and that's what I love about the game, Right now, you would have to say yes. I think Baltimore is the hottest team because it's been the longest time since they have a loss, even though their record is one game shy of San Francisco's. San Francisco lost a tough one, obviously, to Seattle, but they'll get a chance for revenge at the end of the season. But the way these two are playing right now, plus how dynamic Lamar Jackson is, which leads us to the not just is he the MVP of the league, but how do you stop him? How do you slow him down? Who is he like that's come before us? You know, all of those things that go into it. He's the hot ticket of the moment. In fact, right now, he is the 2019 Patrick Mahomes of 2018. He's the rock star that everyone wants to turn on the TV and see if they're not there in person. And Charles, you obviously are great with the NFL draft. I think you're one of the best draft analysts we have that comes on CBS Sports Radio. You do your work with the NFL Network. Looking back, I honestly don't know the answer to this question, but did you have faith that Lamar Jackson would be this kind of quarterback, or were you in the camp that maybe this was not the position for him in the NFL? I was a believer that he should be a quarterback. I was never in the camp that he should go and choose another position and try and be great at that. He deserved every opportunity to be a quarterback in the league. I think a good number of people are probably at this stage – you know, we all want to be right, uh, you know, in, in doing what we're doing. This is what we want to do, Sean. Hey, I was right. I nailed this kid coming out. So we end up with a lot of revisionist history out there, okay? The truth of the matter is he went in the draft where he was ranked by most people to go. Sure, there were people who had him higher, but for the general consensus, as I remember the draft, that was about the spot he would go. And what's interesting about it is that Baltimore is going to get a lot of credit, and deservedly so. They took him. Ozzie Newsom took him in his last draft. They were up at pick 16. They traded back. I believe they took, um, what was it, Hayden Hurst, <laughs> the, the tight end. I can't remember exactly who it was. But they took someone else first and then traded back in to get Lamar Jackson. So the point is, if you really believe that he's that guy, he doesn't last that long in the draft. And when I say that long, into the first round, okay, whoa, that's a real killer for your night, right? But that's where it came down. I thought he had every chance to be great. Did I see it coming this fast? No. No, I did not. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and try and talk my way into saying that I said something I did not because that would just be inaccurate. But I, I definitely thought he deserved every chance to be a quarterback. And last I'll say on it, Baltimore has committed to him organizationally in a bigger way than I think most of us could have anticipated, meaning they've reshaped everything for him. And you have an owner in Steve Bashotti who is okay writing checks to his starting quarterback who's an integral part of the run game. 
And that's rare in the NFL. Charles Davis joining us, NFL on Fox. You can follow him on Twitter at CFD22 on the call of 49ers Ravens later this afternoon. Charles, when you look at Lamar Jackson, though, and obviously the big knock on him, if you can have one at this point, is, yeah, his runs are flashy. Yeah, his offense is electric. But ultimately, we've seen the type of running quarterback before the NFL have a shorter lifespan than maybe the traditional pocket passer. Do you believe Lamar Jackson can buck that trend and have sustained success playing the way he's playing and avoiding injury? Well, I think, you know, that that's always the key to everything because running backs get hurt. And he is a running back playing quarterback in a lot of ways, but he's a quarterback who's redefining what quarterback is. So if, if I say it the first way and leave it out there, I'm damning him with faint praise, and that's incorrect. He is a guy that when he runs the football as a quarterback, he runs it like a true running back. And how often do we see that, Sean? Because when your quarterback takes off and goes, your, your head coach is screaming, it's the first sign of a different color jersey, get down, right? Slide, get out of bounds, all of those things. This kid doesn't run to the margins of the field. He doesn't run to the sideline and just try and get out. He runs to hurt you with as many yards as possible. And he's taking a few whacks along the way. So in a roundabout way, I understand what everyone's saying. History has shown us quarterbacks don't last that long if this is what they do over an extended period of time. I'm excited to watch him test the theory, though. I absolutely am and see how far it goes. I think he can take it a little bit farther than what people think. But, yeah, I you know, running backs get hurt. Running quarterbacks eventually get hurt. But how bad will the injury be? Will he adjust his game? All those things. I hope we don't have to find out at all ever in his career. We saw the 49ers a week ago bottle up Aaron Rodgers and a defense that just seems to be getting better and better throughout this season. Do you think the 49er defense is built to slow Lamar Jackson? It is, but they're going to have to change their style a little bit. and That's always tough to do in a short week. It's kind of like in college football, Sean, when you've been playing conventional offenses and here comes a triple option wishbone team, right? Or an option team. You're like, oh, no. Now i got to follow rules. I can't just get into the backfield and wreak havoc. Okay, do I have the quarterback if he comes down the line, or do I have the pitch guy? Do I have the fullback if he fakes it inside? You know, all of a sudden you're thinking more than reacting. And that's what Baltimore's offense does to defenses. So can San Francisco make that type of an adjustment with that great front four they have? And my theory on the whole thing, Sean, is at the end of the day, if somehow – they have the game tight, obviously, and the scoreboard dictates it. Can San Francisco force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 times and run it for less than 60 yards? It's kind of been like, the, if you look at it, how their season has been, 60 yards is about the break point. But if he gets more than 60 and only has to throw it about 20 times, that's a huge advantage for Baltimore. That means they're doing the dictating right now. Now, can he beat you throwing it 30 times? Oh, he can. I mean, you know, let's not let's not let's not let that get lost. Okay, he's got a very nice arm. He's been really accurate this year. He's, you know, do you realize he's throwing at sixty nine percent? So part of that is the run game, but part of it is he throws the ball better than he got credit for. So he can do it. But if I'm San Francisco, I go back to the Jim Valvano quote about Ralph Sampson. If Ralph Sampson beats me with a dunk or a layup at the end of the game because I didn't guard him well enough, I don't sleep for at least a week. But if Ralph Sampson hits a a 25-foot jump shot because it's the only shot they have or someone else hits the shot, I'm good because I defended the best player. That's what it comes down to with Lamar Jackson. Can they slow him down enough to make other people do the damage? And if not, 
Well, you know what ends up happening. He shreds people. Charles Davis joining us, NFL on Fox, on the call of Ravens and 49ers later this afternoon. You can follow him on Twitter at CFD22. Charles, Thanksgiving, obviously all our attention was on the Cowboys and Bills and what an embarrassing effort from the Dallas Cowboys who now fall to 6-6 six and six with all of that talent. When you watch the Dallas Cowboys play, do you feel Jason Garrett is the problem? I don't think Jason Garrett's the problem, but, he, but he's the one who's got to bear the brunt of everything because let's be honest about it. When you're the head coach, it all comes back to you, just like quarterback. You Sometimes you get more credit than you deserve. Sometimes you get more blame than, blame than you deserve, but you sign up for that job, okay? He's also been around long enough, too. This roster is too good to be sitting there at 500. That's just my opinion. I think it's a very good roster. Offense, defense, the whole deal. Now, I don't think the offensive line is playing up to its reputation. That's hurt them a little bit, okay? Amari Cooper, I think, is playing hurt. And you don't hear a peep out of him, but I don't think he's 100%. They got him to be that guy to take some pressure off out on the perimeter. Defensively, well, you've seen what's going on. Offense isn't moving quite as well as they were earlier this year. That leads to a few more problems there. But this offense, look, what Jerry Jones said last week, I thought in a lot of ways was spot on. You know, this team is better than what this record is, and it should be beating better people than what it's beating. But go back to what you said. This division is there for the taking for Philadelphia because they have a better schedule, but they're not playing very well either. Okay? Somebody's going to win this division. I'm not sure that either team actually deserves it unless one of them gets hot and wins three or four down, three or four in a row down the stretch. Right now, everyone's picking Philadelphia just because of schedule. But we had them last week, Sean. They weren't very good last week. Were they going to be a better team in order to beat everyone down the stretch when it looks like all automatic wins? Well, we've seen the NFL. They're not automatic. And the Cowboys' schedule is brutal. But I'm just telling you, <laughs> It's a race of attrition right now, unless one of them can flip it around. Dallas has the capability. It's not all Jason Garrett's fault, but I'll end it with this. If they don't get to the Super Bowl, I don't know that he's going to make it to next year. That's kind of that's kind of the way it sounds that Jerry Jones has posited things. All right, Charles, one more from me, as obviously I love following you on Twitter at CFD22, so maybe a little bit of this debate creep up as we are in this holiday season. Frosty the Snowman or the Grinch? Ooh, I'm a frosty guy, um, no doubt about it. I do love the Grinch because cause he he cracked me up because how mean and surly he is. He's got a he's got a beautiful anger about him. But I have to admit, when I see Frosty, it's over because it, I mean Jimmy Durante, man, Jimmy Durante doing those the thing. Yeah, I end up with Frosty. <laughs> Fair enough. And if the Giants lose to the Packers in blowout fashion, I might be as grumpy as the Grinch. You can follow Charles on Twitter at CFD22. Check him out, NFL on Fox. Check your local listings for the game in your area. He's on the call, Ravens and 49ers with Kevin Burkhart. What should be the game of this NFL Sunday? Charles, thanks so much for joining the show. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Sean. And remember, Santa had the professor write that he would be a good guy a hundred zillion times. Do you think the professor has gotten close to a hundred zillion yet? That's the, that's the question I leave you with. All right? Chuck <laughs> out I gotta love Charles Davis. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at CFD22. And look, on that movie front, he was the reason I asked that on Twitter earlier. He's debating with people, Frosty or the Grinch. Let me tell you something about the Grinch. That movie, as time has passed, and I know they came out with the new Grinch last year, which I still haven't seen. The Jim Carrey Grinch 
is actually, I think, underappreciated. Where I was just telling you the Sean Watson's an overrated quarterback, I think the Grinch with Jim Carrey is an underrated Christmas movie. It's very funny. But the problem is, if you're going to compare the NFL to Christmas movies, as I just did, while I'm talking about the Sean Watson and him not being the Grinch, the Patriots are Christmas Vacation. It becomes almost impossible if Christmas Vacation is on to watch that, no matter how old it is, and think that's not the greatest Christmas movie of all time. I'm sorry. And you have old school people who want to hate on Elf. I think Elf is great. I think some of these new movies like uh, Fred Claus or Christmas with the Cranks, I think that's great. And I find myself, I bet you Kincaid, Kincaid's on next. Kincaid is probably more of a Christmas story guy. I hate the Christmas story. I think it's terrible. March of the Wooden Soldiers, no thank you. I'm sorry, the moment I see anything, the moment I see anything black and white, I'm out on the Christmas movies. It's enough. So... Christmas vacation tops for me. One more holiday story that I think just needs to be briefly told. Rough Thanksgiving for Graceffo comes in and tells me Thanksgiving, as an elder statesman in his family, he did not get the turkey leg off the turkey. Instead, a six-year-old kid, his nephew, received the turkey leg. Graceffo, here we are. Remember how I did the segment on Jason Garrett not being fired days later? Days later, a disgruntled James Graceffo, who's my producer this evening, still that he didn't get the turkey leg at his it's six not year that, old. It's not that I didn't get the turkey leg. I knew I wasn't getting it. It was that, like, a six-year-old got it. I didn't be- I didn't think the turkey leg was such a big thing on, on tables it's across n- families. It's not. I don't even think to grab it. Just give no, me some No, it's just the fact meat. that, like, a six-year-old should not get that. It's not a thing a six-year-old should have. So you like eat any other part of the turkey, man. Like it's not, and then like they don't eat it. They just want to like get the meat off it, play with the bone. That's all they want to do. So you really on Thanksgiving, you have it stuck with you that no six year old should be given a turkey bone, a turkey leg, even if you got it. If you're under the age of ten, like if you're sitting at the kids kids table, if you will, and you get the turkey leg, there's something wrong with the family. So Graceffo is soured on his whole family over a stupid turkey leg on Thanksgiving while Charles Davis is fighting with people over the Grinch and Frosty. Unbelievable. All right, when we come back, you're going to wake up. Your alarm's going off on the East Coast. Don't grab your phone to see the latest sports stories. I got him next with the phone scroller. It's the Sean Moraes Show on CBS Sports Radio.